All right, Three's a Crowd, I'm here today once again from Bull Run. Mm, right. And Kelly is from the podcast closet. That's right. I remember where we live. <laughs> How's it going today, Kelly? Uh, it's it's going better today than, than it has been going. I've been working way too much, man. Everything's like, I don't like the stress. I get like physically, if you can, angry when I have to do overtime. It's not a cute look. And I've been having to do a lot of overtime. Mm. So I've been very angry. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at least I get to listen to some good music. You know, that's been nice. I guess, yeah. you know, whatever. I I would say you should take a page out of my book and retire. Dude, don't get me started. Um, Every time I think about it, it's like I only have three fucking friends and two of them don't work. And I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> well, you also own a house, yeah, have a life, whatever. you know, it's tough. Is it worth it? Uh, I don't think that's so. The, that's the big difference. <laughs> Well, that's hey, that's yeah. on you, man. Uh, this is not a podcast to talk about retirement. So we're not going to help you save towards retirement because I don't think it's going to last for any of us. This is a Bob Dylan podcast, Kelly. This is our future here. This is our legacy. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the number of bytes of memory in the Atari 2600. And this week, we listen to 2006's Age of Talking. That's wrong, too. We're like a hundred something. But it would be eight. 152? Yeah. Is, is that right? Fuck. No. 126? As I walked out tonight in the mystic garden, the wounded flowers were dangling from the vine. I was passing by a young cool crystal fountain. Someone hits me from behind Ain't talking Just walking Through this weary world of the world burning Still yearning No one on earth would ever know Kelly, we spent the entire week listening to uh, dare I say the great ain't talking the last song on 2006's modern times. This is by far now the most listened to album that we have. Hmm. Uh, it might be, I think it's one less than blonde on blonde, but blonde on blonde is 14 songs. So we're not quite halfway through, but this is our halfway point of modern times. Uh, before we get into the context and talk about the two versions that we listened to, how was your, uh, two weeks with this song? Coming off of It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, if you listen to that, we got into a bunch of shenanigans, and we've recovered at this point. How was this song as a balm to that? Uh, I mean, it's long. It's a long song. I had a hard time focusing on it because it's long and, and fairly repetitive. The structure is verse, chorus, yeah. verse, chorus forever, and there's a lot of them. Um, so Eight, yes. It, it certainly wasn't like punchy and catchy like uh, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, so... That aspect, it dragged a little bit, but I did, when I actually sat down and listened and paid attention to it, there's a lot of stuff going on, and narratively, it's really fun. Um, so yeah. so I do like it, but it, it was hard to get into, so I would recommend this one definitely um, sit and pay attention to it if you want to enjoy it at all. Otherwise, it'll be like, God damn, this is taking forever. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of true. I mean, contextually, it's great as a part of the record and it all works really well, but it is a lot. You just see the eight minutes, the nine minutes long almost. So you're like, yeah. okay, 
It, but also with Bob, you're kind of like, okay, this is going to be a really dense song. There's going to be a lot going on here. And he doesn't disappoint. You know, if the song is nine minutes long, he's packing that nine minutes. You know, it's not instrumental filler. I mean, that's stuff that he does not do, right? So this is nine minutes of of really, again, a repetitive song, but, you know, a lot of lyrical stuff going on. I would also say that this is, if we're going to talk about the context, the OG Murder Bob song for me. So we chose oh, yeah. this based on the lyrics um, that Kendra picked last last time we hung out, um, which is, um, oh, if I catch my opponents sleeping, I'll just slaughter them where they lie. Oh, yeah, my opponents, not enemies. Yeah. Yes, opponents, right. Well, which is weird, too. Opponents, why not enemies? Um, yeah, for me, every time we talked about Murder Bob, which is something you created, I think about this song. I mean, the first time you ever brought it up, I was like, this is the song I was waiting for because it's the most mm. explicitly murder. Everything else is kind of the aura oh, yeah. of murder. And this one's like, I will fucking kill you. And I remember <laughs> listening to that for the first time. You're like, holy shit, this yeah. is cool. The song, like all of modern times, we don't know exactly when it was recorded February to March, 2006. Like I said, this closes modern times. A lot of talk. I was reading through uh, Ian Bell's book on this era of Bob Dylan this week for this song. And I kind of forgot that like this was the end of the trilogy, like uh, Modern Times, Love and Theft in 2001, and Time Out of Mind in 1997. A lot of the writing at the time when this came out was about this, the, the end of the trilogy. And I was like, were we obsessed back then with like Lord of the Rings and stuff? You know, like we're obsessed with the idea. I mean, we still kind of are obsessed with the idea of a trilogy. Like everything needs to be multiple parts, you know, or if you're oh, like yeah, Marvel, it's like 700 parts, right? That's like the <laughs> expectation now. But it's just kind of... Uh, in terms of like a, a last song in a trilogy, it's, I mean, this is a very dark sort of like the world has ended type of song. So even thematically, it's a pretty cool, like a pretty neat, which we'll talk about here. This song has a couple of references that we're not going to get into, but uh, the Stanley brothers highway of regret is the chorus. Uh, I borrow some lines from, from Ovid, uh, Ovid's Tristina. So those are things, if you know what they are, you can go and look at that. A lot of people have written about them. We're not going to talk about them here. Uh, and this song has been played 118 times total, uh, starting in November 20th, 2006, and ending November 7, 2013. So it's been a long time since he played the song. He might not play the song again. But until we get a Bob Dylan show again, who knows what he's going to play. Hey, Tommy. Yes, Bob. Uh, before we talk about the music and stuff like that, Kelly, we listened to two different versions of the song. You told me that you did not learn to play it. Was there any reason why? Or do, have you looked at Dylan chords at all as to the chord structures or anything basically before we get into each version uh, that stood out to you musically or why you didn't want to do it? Yeah. So uh, the version that's on Modern Times, there's so much going on. There's at least three, but I think maybe four guitars. Um as well as I, I believe it's a standing bass. We got a fiddle in there of some kind, you know, the drum kit, and then the piano. Mm -hmm. Most it, it's a lot of sound, but everything's really restrained. Like they, like dynamically, they it all really works together. So it doesn't feel as muddy as it could when you say all the personnel that are on it. Um, but it's it was hard for me to pick out a line that I might be able to actually play. Like it's so much easier, obviously when it's just Bob and a guitar. Cause it's like, Oh, okay. I'll just do what he's doing on the guitar. But it's like, just when you've got four doing. guitars, how do you pick out, you could do some kind of combination of the melody. And I, I, I could have looked at the, like even just the key it's in and then pick the, the chords 
from there and then just kind of made something up. But I don't know, man. I even played my guitar in like two weeks. I've been working so much. It was like excuses, excuses, excuses. You know, I just like. So I didn't think to do it until the very last second. I was like, oh, man, there's a cool finger picking line in here uh, in the Modern Times yeah. version that I totally could have done because it's pretty repetitive because the song, other than a couple instrumental breaks, uh, musically does the same thing, basically. But you, c- this is another yeah. one of those moments where you can really tell it's a bunch of people in a room recording the music versus being piecemeal tracked out because of the variation, because they're playing the whole thing. They're yeah. not looping any clips. They're not picking and choosing the best moments. It's like, all right, we're playing the song. And so you can hear a little bit of guitar flourishes and stuff. There's a really subtle uh, electric guitar. It's got a really dry, clean sound on it um, that's just doing a couple like pick uh, rakes, just like bink, bink, bink. It's like there's there's bink, a fourth bink, guitar bink, in here bink. just to do that. I mean, he does some little fills and stuff later. but uh, and, and on the other version, obviously, it's way more guitar heavy. Um, that that's really on the forefront. The, the fiddle and stuff is. I think everything is still there, as far as I can tell. There might be one fewer guitar. Like I do, like the finger picking doesn't happen, yeah. so I think there might not be an acoustic guitar on the other version. But uh, yeah, so it was just that. It was just like I haven't played in a while. It's like, of course, I never think about it until I'm going to actually sit down and and do my notes and stuff. And then that's five minutes before we, we record. So it's like, ah, oh, fuck it. So that's why I didn't do it. That's the long totally. and short. But there's. There's a lot going on. My my biggest first excuse is there's a lot going on uh, on this song, personnel wise, and it was hard for me to easily identify a guitar to, to play tell. along with. Well, it's fair. And just before we even talk about the two versions, we've got Bob obviously playing guitar and keyboard just on the record. So it might be him on a third guitar, Stu Kimball on guitar, Denny Friedman on guitar. Uh, Donnie Heron is probably playing our fiddle, but he's mandolin steel guitar on the record. Uh, Tony Garnier, of course, on the bass and George Roselli on drums and percussion. So that's probably our lineup there. There might be a random person not credited or whatever. We just don't know who knows how many people are in this room because yeah, it's a really flavorful song. There's a lot happening sort of the repetitive is nice though but it feels good mm. but it does there's a lot happening it's it's really cool which version did you prefer over the two yeah i i couldn't i don't know they both have their strengths i feel like maybe lyrically i prefer the version on modern times and i think i think the mm. vibe of them really suits the lyrical changes on both like i feel like the yeah. modern times version uh is a more regretful song. And then the version on telltale signs is a more pointed, determined, aggressive version of the song. And therefore the, the, the tempo is punchier. Um, we've stripped down some yeah. of the noise. So like kind of lush bed sound, if you will, that the, like the fiddle provides and all that kind of stuff, that really big sound you get on the modern times version. That's kind of stripped away a little bit. Cause it's much more in your face. Like I did this and I'm not apologizing versus I feel like the modern times version is like, I did this. I feel kind of bad about it. But I still had to do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so I hence the plaintive guitars. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I prefer the modern times version, although I don't prefer the extra two and a half minutes of it. Um, <sighs> but, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think they'll, it'll become more apparent why I prefer the modern times version when we talk about the lyrics. Uh, musically, I okay. think they both have their strengths, and I guess I would prefer the Telltale Signs version just because it is more guitar heavy and it's punchier, right? Yeah. yeah but. No, yeah, no, I, I think that the, the Modern Times version is way more scary. I, I love it. I love the close of the song with the piano coming in, like even harder than it had been throughout. So whoever, that must be Bob, I guess, maybe playing the piano. Maybe. I don't know. But he's there hitting that piano at the end, which I thought was really creepy and cool. And I love the flair. I don't think I've listened to this song to its completion in a long time. And at the end of the thing, it's like they have they do that flair thing where they're like, okay. you know, whatever. That immediately made me think of 
the album that just came out. What is yes? Whatever. What is it? Rough and Rowdy Ways. Yeah, that. So that <laughs> yes. happens at the end of of Murder Most Foul. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. motherfucker. I wonder if he did this before. It's all happened before, and it all happened again. I wonder oh, if no. the end of this song transitions into the beginning of Thunder on the Mountain, but I do not think it does. Um, well, Thunder on the Mountain does just start off the bounce, yeah. So, bounce, like which it could. It could. I mean, it could in a playlist format, but does it like nicely do it? Has he done this before? Yeah, it's a. Uh, we it's, gotta go back, Kate. We gotta go, we gotta yeah, go back. Yeah. But it, it definitely is different than the rest of the song. That little fade out. I mean, it's clearly it's still in the key, but it's like it changes. Just like it, it, it's what a strange tonal shift to tack on at the very end of the song. It's just like because we're like moving along in this slow murder Bob song, and then it's like flourish. What the fuck just happened? I also love the Modern Times version, too, because he has great vocal moments that don't really exist on the Telltale Signs version. Like, there are moments on this song that I just love. I love when he sings the I'm going to murder, just the way he says slaughter. Like, I just love the way he says it. Um, Every waking moment you could crack, like every nook and cranny, like just the way that he says those. It's just fucking, it's wonderful. He stretches the word it. crack out into like four syllables somehow. Crack. Crack. <laughs> Which is great. And that's such a Bob Dylan thing. And it just like makes the song fucking Bob Dylan. Nobody else could really do this. Um, yeah, the, the the one on Telltale Signs is like way less scary, very laid back. Um, has random guitar fills, which again, like we've kind of talked about it. Sometimes they feel like it's almost like a demo. Like mm-hmm. we're just kind of like, oh, popping in, popping in, just seeing what's going on. But it, you know, each song has like a little cool solo moment as well, which I kind of like. But the lyrics aren't as good. Like you've got a moment where he sings, I'm worn out with public service. And it's like, man, that doesn't flow. No. That lyric sucked. <laughs> like you're like, oh man, poor Bob. Uh, but I do want to talk about the lyrics. Um, I'll start with with this uh, quote from Ian Bell just because I was rereading re- his Time Out of Mind, The Lives of Bob Dylan. Um, he starts off by talking about the song, quote, the final track, Ain't Talkin', stands out from the rest as a summation of everything the album has been about. Faith and the loss of faith, failure, the urge towards vengeance, hard times, and injustice. Injustice. Still, the pilgrim keeps on walking. No single verse gives an adequate idea of the whole. It is enough to say that while critics prepared to celebrate the triumphant conclusion of the so-called trilogy, Dylan ended the album with the words that were as bleak as they are unflinching. People compare this to, I know you haven't read The Road by Cormac McCarthy, but you you remember seeing that Viggo Mortensen's in the movie version of it? Oh, I haven't seen that either. Okay, yeah, so bring it back to Lord of the Rings right there. But yeah, uh, people say it's like the road. The road is kind of just a, a son and, a, and, a, and a, a dad, a dad protecting his son, and they're literally just walking on a road, and the apocalypse is calm, and it's just a dark a dark walk down a road, which, you know, kind of is what's happening, what could be happening here, you know, just walking, ain't talking, just walking, right? <laughs> and for me, you can definitely read this as a very straightforward story, and I think that's probably the way most people would do it. And I guess I tasked myself with like a, a project to try to read this a little bit differently, but I'm curious cause we're not going to really go into like every lyrical detail or anything, but I want to go through the song and just like, what do you think is going on at each bend and turn? 
But do you have like an overall narrative idea or sense of what's going on here that you could latch on to? And I know there's two different songs, so I do want to get into the alternate because it does it. The first three verses are the same. And then it sort of branches off into two completely different songs. So I um, I will start out by saying in classic Bob Dylan dot com fashion, they left out an entire verse and chorus. So as I was listening and taking my notes, I was like, well, I got to write that in. Um, Uh Yeah. And that's for the. (laughs) <laughs> the studio version that's on the act, you know, the album. Of course, they just yes, left out a. Of course, version they just version. forgot. Um, so yeah, for the modern times version, I think that the narrative's a little more straightforward. I mean, it's all kind of amorphous and hazy and all wrapped in metaphors and stuff. But I think that the narrator uh, has is dead or dies at some point in the song. Um, okay. Either they die shortly after the end of the song. Or it, like, OK, so we've talked about this before. There's that book that you bring up every time that I clearly can't retain the name of where there's somebody who's about to die and the whole book takes place like the seconds oh, before yes, they yes. do because it's them looking back on their life. Uh, and I think that this is kind of this. Right. So the beginning of the song, we start out, and, and which is why there's a, a nice um, is compendium the right word moment between the first and last verse where we go back to it. Right. And I really like that. That's probably my favorite part of the song is that we go back to the garden thing. Uh, yep. Which is another part that I like more about modern times than the Telltale Sign version because he just repeats the verse as opposed to adding a little bit to it because there's been a transition, right. there's been growth, there's been something that happened. Um, right. So I think that's what it is. I think that the narrator is about to die. I, I'm assuming right. specifically succumbing to wounds encountered when they went on their vengeance spree. Um, okay. And so they're looking back on the reasons that led up to it, just moments from their, their life different things just reflecting on why am I about to die? Very John Wick. I recently half-heartedly yeah. watched John Wick and that's how the movie starts with Keanu Reeves okay. about to die and then we see all the events leading up to why he's about to die. But he doesn't die okay. and he gets a new dog and it's great. Uh, of course. <laughs> but I didn't really pay attention to the movie. The movie overall was not, it was whatever. This is not a John Wick podcast. Uh, <laughs> but it's the same, same kind of concept, right? This guy is yeah. dying of gunshot wounds and then we see all his bloody revenge story which is what yeah. his is, uh, and then we go back to him. It, but in our story with our narrator, I think that he does die at the end. He like has that okay. moment of retelling it to maybe no one, just thinking it to himself, but then he does die. Uh, the twist for me in this, I, I thought the first couple times I was just kind of passively listening to it, I thought it was a straightforward, these guys, you killed my father and now I'm going to get you kind of thing. Uh, but as you look more into it and you parse more into it, I'm like, I actually don't think he's talking about a single person or even group of people. I think he's yeah. talking about corporations. I think he's talking about capitalism. Oh, okay. I think he's talking okay. about a way more macro level. I think he's saying my dad worked forever in this fucking factory or wherever, right? He got scraped up by the man who used and abused yeah. him, didn't pay for his health care, didn't take care of him on the back end, stressed him out until he died. And nobody's sure. holding these people accountable and they just keep getting away with it. Right. Because like, like, keep he, getting away with he it. He really yeah. seems to have some institutional anger. It's like these people think this. He constantly brings the world into it or multiple yeah. people into it. Not just a single minded, narrow vision of revenge because this thing happened to me, but more like they're doing it to everybody and somebody's got to stop them. So I like to think about it instead of just being a single minded revenge story about a guy who whose dad got killed doing whatever. Uh, yeah. But more like a fight club. Let's just explode the fucking credit unions. Let's just watch everything burn yeah, down. Sure. So sure. I hope that's what it is. <laughs> that's fun. I definitely, you know, the they's that come up, you know, they'll crush you with wealth and power. Um, 
you know, all that stuff. Like, I mean, de- there's definitely that element to it. I didn't so much think about, because yeah, that's the same verse that I'll avenge my father's death. So we're talking about somebody crushing him. Right. But, um, I guess I didn't, I didn't think about it. I thought this was more of like, yeah, he's just like, uh, abandoned and outlaw. I mean, I think you can put this in the seven curses. Oh, easy, universe easy, easily. Yeah. So, so in that case, you know, where we're talking about my horse is blind and stuff, yeah. it's like, okay, well, we clearly have horses and mules. Everything is really adding up here for that. Um, yeah, for me, I, I sort of wanted to see it as I got this feeling as I was listening to it, that there was not just one person, but two people. And I started to think that the same thing as you, cause someone hit me from behind. Right. So in my head, they're hit, they're on the ground. And at this point from that, from that point on, it's the person on the ground, our narrator who is never gendered or anything. So it's just, I, you know, I guess, uh, it's, it's the listener having this existential crisis or conversation with what I can only describe as like the devil on your shoulder. You can really sit down and like almost have the first four lines of the verse be our narrator. And then the ain't talking, just walking be this devil on your shoulder sort of, you know, at, at some points it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Cause like the first verse through the weary world of woe, no one on earth will ever know. But if you start to like go through it all, it kind of like our narrators in the mystic garden gets hit from behind. And then the devil's basically saying, Hey, he shows back up and he's like, Hey, the world kind of sucks and no one's going to know if you just die here. So you should get back up. And then he's bleeding, he's bleeding out and uh, he's saying that things aren't going that well. And the devil is like, let's get revenge, man. Like we're going to burn, you know, you've already burned all the bridges. There's no mercy for you. If you lose this, like we need to get back up. And I see the narrator sort of struggling with that um, because as they're bleeding out, they're like, I want help. And he's like, you know, pray, pray for me. You know, I've tried to be good. I've tried to live my life well. And the devil's like, nah, the devil it's your life is not going that well. Uh, and then we go to verse three and he's like, he's all worn down by weeping. His lips are dry. Uh, and that's when the bad thoughts start to enter his brain. I'll just slaughter them where they lie. And that's when the devil's like, fuck, yeah, my dude, let's do that. The world is mysterious and vague. Cities of the plague, man. Like, I think that the world has not gone into the apocalypse yet, but the devil knows that it's going to. So he's like, I need you to, to do this because it's I don't see this is where it gets hard because I don't want to go down a super Christian route, but I think this song is is overtly Christian. So I want to play their own game and have the devil be an actual entity and actually be out in this world. Right. Because if the devil can take over our character, then I think that would be pretty cool. Oh, so you think they're like possessed? Well, not so much possessed. It's not, it's not really like an actual, like, that's the thing. It's not really an actual devil because I don't believe in that. Right. But it's like, I think it's like the devilish sort of thoughts, right? Like what's going to get this guy who has just been hit from behind by his enemies, right? What's going to get him up? It's going to be revenge, right? It's going to be the thought of like, I'm going to kill them. And in my head, in my version, the dad was murdered by them as well. So he's going to get revenge for his father because he got got just like they tried to get him. So it's all wrapped up in one big story. I don't know if it really makes any sense, but I did find a cool quote um, about this one in particular, like the cities of the plague, that that first three. There's a guy named Jacob Renenberg who writes for something called Spectrum Culture. I don't know what that is, but I want to read it just because of what happened recently. Uh, his quote says, quote, the end times are hardly new ground for Dylan to cover, but rarely has the man portrayed himself as such a ruinous and malevolent force akin to DMX or Anton Chigar, Chigar 
from No Country for Old Men. Uh, a criminal prosecutor might be driven to press charges after hearing Dylan mutter, if I catch the, my opponents ever sleeping, I'll just slaughter them where they lie. And I was like, yeah, are we comparing that line to DMX? I think that's pretty cool. Well, as you're talking about that, immediately the first thing that comes to my head is that song Damien um, yeah, yeah. from It's Dark and Hell is Hot, uh, because that's the whole thing. It's him talking to he manifested as a, a another human being, but it's just his conscience telling yeah. him, you know, do this, well, do this thing and you'll you'll it'll be easy. Kill these people and, and your life will be better. And yeah. Well, maybe maybe I need maybe Damien is better than saying the devil because that's what I'm talking about here. I'm about to make it rapping. Today I met this cat. He said his name was Damien. He thinks that we're a lot alike and wants to be my friend. You mean like Chucky? Uh, yeah, just like Chucky. Dad, that looks like we both lucky. And then verse four is where things go off at this point, because that's when the lyrics start to change. So for me, the narrator is pitying their fates, right? He's talking about the world is filled with speculation. The people say that the earth is round, but they're wrong. You know, they try to tear your mind away from contemplation, that kind of stuff. They'll jump on your misfortune when you're down. I love the capitalist element to that. I mean, I think that really works for, for yours. But it gets weird because in the alternate version, this is where it, it, it shifts because then he says, I need to find a doctor in this town. right? And then the song just turns totally different because it's almost like it's actually a real thing happening and thankfully i think dylan was like i don't want to be so ironclad about what's going on here i'm gonna make it more vague um because then we get this weird thing i don't know what you thought about this but like when the in my head the devil or damien let's say is saying you know eating hog-eyed grease in a hog-eyed town i just took it as like a, a colorful way to say like you're just eating what they're selling you you're not critically thinking about anything you're just in this this small town and this fucking you're just a cog in the machine you'll never break out because you're just you know shoveling it in man yeah no i kind of saw it as like mocking if my character if my you know damien character is mocking he's almost being like you're in this town being fed what you're you've been asked to and you're gonna fucking die here you're gonna die in this shit whole town you have a bigger fate get your ass up Mm. Don't die in the stupid town. And then, you know, the someday you'll be glad to have me around is him saying, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know it yet. But once you get up, I'm going to be here for you, baby. Um, and then obviously this is where the song completely turns. So I don't know if you looked at the alternate version lyrics for for the um, Telltale Signs. I could not find all. them. So I wrote them down myself. Hmm. Oh, wow. That is uh, that's dedication here. So what do you think about that then? So if we were talking about that before. What happens from this point on in the Telltale Signs version, if you're sticking to your your story? Um, okay, so the first deviance is like the crush you with wealth and power, right? So he says, first new day of a grand and glorious autumn, which is conflicting a little bit to me to this like verdant garden scene we're painting because autumn is when things tend to die back. But I digress. Uh, the Queen of Love is coming across the grass. None did call her anything but Madam. No one flirts with her or even makes a pass. I'm like, we didn't need to we didn't need to do this. And this song with that line alone really colors it as, to me, a lesser gambling song. Like we've kind of yeah. um, okay. created like a genre of, of Dylan or even songs in general where it's just like classic 
turn of the 19th century Western gambling right. song. Like, oh, I went to the, the whorehouse and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, come on, dude. Went to the house of the rising sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm just like, come on, come on. Um, so, yeah, I, don't, I think it's just to, like, add some color and context to the world with no actual substance. Yeah. Just like, and then there's a verse about a lady. Um, and then the the chorus yeah. is a little bit different where he's instead of the walking cane one even though we do bring that up later he says that just walking stand outside the gates of ride i still yearning take a little trip down the primrose path i got the worst old feeling and it's getting stronger is primrose like a poison thing? What is primrose? I don't I don't know. I never I didn't look it up. I just saw it as like kind of a threat in my version yeah. because it's the devil, but I don't know. Word primrose comes from the Latin word primus, hey. which means first, which makes sense if you consider the primrose flower typically is the first flower oh. to bloom in the early spring, which again doesn't make sense for autumn. Because of the etymology, primrose flowers are often seen as representations of youth and everlasting existence. Ooh, nice. Okay, yeah. So that that sounds pretty good. Oh, and there there was an another deviance in the chorus prior to that says, uh, "I got no time for idle conversation." Yeah. Instead of your mind, see this one for me really started to color the difference in the songs that that chorus beforehand. Sorry for being out of order, but yeah, the the line in modern times is, uh, "They'll tell tear your mind away from contemplation," and then in Telltale Signs, it's, "I got no time for idle conversation." Right. Uh, and then back to the other one, they will jump on your misfortune when you're down. The other one, I need to find a doctor in this town, right? So for that, that no time for idle conversation. Again, we're taking it from this guy's introspective, right? He's dying. He's alone. He's thinking about why he did the thing he did because he's saying, you know, they'll tear your mind away from contemplation. They'll tear you away from self-thought and self-actualization right. versus this other one where it's like, ah, it doesn't matter. I don't I, I don't have time for talking. I'm on my killing mission. So it's like. I don't know, whatever. I didn't. It's it's the lesser version lyrically for me because of shit like that. Yeah, no, I I feel that. Um, well, and even with the Hog Eye Grease, the the lyric changes there to all rails leading to the west, and then heart burning, still yearning. I'm gonna mm. throw myself upon your loving breast. Uh, see, and right. I saw that in my Damien Devil worshiping version of the song. Um, it's weird for me, and it, and it breaks sort of my idea because the devil then really does become real because. I'm going to throw myself upon your breast. I mean, you could take that. I guess you could take it literally, but it could be a metaphor, I guess, where like to me, that would say like, I w- I'm going to throw myself upon you. If we get out, if if you get up and we get out of this town, all the, all the railroads lead out West, let's head West. And because I know that you're going to come around, I can throw myself upon you, my ideas, my spirit or whatever upon your, your breast, because you're going to welcome me once again. So if we can get out of here, I promise I'll take care of you because I will once again be a part of your life and we can go on our killing spree together and do devil stuff. <laughs> do devil stuff. Uh, not to make yes. this, again, a uh, a DMX podcast, but yeah. as DMX tells us, you used to be my dog. You were in my left titty. Screamed ride or die. I thought you would <laughs> die with me. Found out you a bitch. Oh you God. can't even and... ride with me. And now it's a war and you ain't on the side with me. It's true. Dude. It's true. 
So we're not talking enough about how Bob Dylan stole from Dion. I mean, it clearly. I, I now that really... you've like fleshed out this Damien idea, this is this totally works too. It's totally somebody yeah. coming across somebody who's like about to like listen, man. If you just do what I'm saying, look at these guys. Look at these guys taking all this shit. Like, look at these guys taking advantage yeah. of everything, messing. Come on, just let's come on, let's fix this. Let's get it's up. Be let's fine. go. Let's make yeah. this work. Exactly. Yeah, well, in, in that case, if we are on that path there and we have the devil sort of either physically or, or even just metaphorically upon your breast, then we get into this here with the primrose path. It's almost like take the path, right? Like take – because you're right. I mean I, I love that you looked up the primrose because if it is a flower that blooms in the spring but we are in autumn, that dichotomy is – pretty spooky right why is these two things happening at the same time and the idea where does this path lead the me? idea of it li- representing like everlasting youth or whatever it's like do this and you'll live forever man do this and you'll be yeah what you want forever yeah well we also meet the queen of love so this oh, this is maybe our only yeah. real character though but we do meet a madam at the end or ma'am because we bump into her at the end oh sure do right. i mean i guess we'll talk about it at the end but do we think the queen of love is the ma'am that we run into. I don't think so because it only exists in the Telltale Signs version. In this yeah, version. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Uh, yeah. So then we get the the next alternate verse. I don't know if you've got that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got the worst old feeling and it's getting stronger. I'm worn out with public service. I'm beginning to crack. Uh, I won't stay. I couldn't tell if you said I won't stay on any longer or young any longer. I think it's on. That's what I wrote. And uh, because public service, right? Like staying on in a job is what I was thinking. Right. Uh, but then if we take the yeah. primrose thing more literally, stay young because young youth, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, oh. um, I'll avenge my father's death and I'll step back, which we get in the other version, too, but just in a different spot. Right. And then the walking cane trying to get you out of my right. brain. Yeah. So for me, when I saw this um, to keep going with my thing, I saw the evil thoughts which does happen later because we'll, we'll go back to the Modern Times one. The evil thoughts, if you will, are being melded with the narrator by this point. So for me, the public service, I like to think of it as the devil because this is him doing his public service. <laughs> He's This is his job, right? And then we get him or the narrator, them. We don't know if it's a guy or a girl. Uh, they're the ones saying, I'm beginning to crack. Um, I won't stay on any longer. The devil lies to him. Uh, I'll avenge my father's death, says the narrator. And then the devil is like, fuck, yeah, give me my walking cane. Let's fucking go. And the narrator's like, I got to get you out of my brain. This sucks. I agree. Because then we have the repetition of the first verse to completion, except for one extra line, which is ain't talking, just walking. You ride up high and down you go, which very devilish vibes in my opinion so i'm like yeah this one really is working out well for me i like this one so yeah i think the um the damien idea definitely fits better with telltale signs only because it is so much of a more pointed revengey type of story like i don't have any gray area there's no complicated thoughts here kill time that's what it is it's time for killing versus i feel like like i said that uh modern time is way more reflective uh, and like, oh, I well, did it, but I don't know if I wanted to do it. Well, you have to. I think. I think you have to do a little bit more work. But I tried. I tried to do the I work. Think it, so it, that. It so, and that's the end, though, of the of the Telltale Signs version. So it ends abruptly after five verses. Um, you could say that that's uh, great because it's a less, it's a shorter song. Um, but I think that the best is yet to come. And it's clear to me why Bob rewrote everything. Uh, I guess there's a little bit of debate as to whether which one's the first and the second one, but I think it's pretty clear that the first one was that one. And the modern times one is the end, the end goal. You know, this was, this was the final version, if you will, of the song, because we go back 
to modern times where we get the they'll crush you with wealth and power every mo- moment you could crack. Um, I'll make the most of one last extra hour. I'll avenge my father's death and I'll step back. And this is for me. I didn't have a good response to this, but I love your capitalism one because I think that's right. Um, but for me, it was just more talking about the days of the world, like the devil almost reminding them, hey, the world is going to crush you if you just die. You should maybe not. You should get up and we can avenge the world. For me, I have to play a lot of games here where I'm swapping who's talking to fit my own vibe, but but I do like it so far. Now, you brought up earlier, Kelly, that there is a verse that BobDylan.com didn't feel the need to put into the lyrics. Yeah. And do you do you have that do you have that verse? Yes. Uh it's the all my loyal and much loved companions. They approve of me. And share my code. I practice a faith that's been long abandoned. Ain't no altars on this long and lonesome road. And then, and then and the, the you was sick. My horse is yeah. Blind. That part too, yeah. also not included. Yeah. So I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know why either. I have no no clue. I think it is kind of a it's it is strange because the mule is sick, horse is blind, the gal I left behind. Those are two things that don't actually matter for the song. Like actually, like. Reading it, I would much rather that verse not be in the poetry version of it because I think it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I. But yeah, when he was singing it, I was like, "Where the fuck is that line?" Yeah, I was like, "Holy shit, I can't believe." I mean, I can believe it, but again, with what we know about the lyrics too, Bob Dylan is, has gone back now. If we believe that he's like doing editing in real time, he probably was like, "Yeah, I mean, you're right. I sang it, but I don't want that in my lyrics. Cut it out. Yeah. I don't want the I'm, that lyric is not actually the song." I would tend to agree. Maybe BobDylan.com was trying to save the narrative integrity of the song because it adds nothing. It adds nothing, yeah. Except for me. I get to have my devil or Damien be like explaining to the guy on the ground, like, all of my friends say that I'm cool. They approve of me and share my code. Look at all my friends. I'm the devil. We're cool. I practice a faith that's been long abandoned. There's no altars to me on this lonesome road. So let's get going, my guy. And then I, I see the narrator rationalizing, saying, yeah, man, my mule is sick. My horse is fucking blind. Like... I guess I need to get up. I got, I got stuff yeah. to do. What's my horse going to do without me? I got to get, I got to get up. <laughs> and this gal, this like this amorphous gal that for no reason that's in the song, uh, I have to think about her for no reason. So I'll do right. that. Yeah. So I don't really like, I don't really like that verse. Uh, so then we move on though. Uh, we get, you know, for me, the narrator is still on the ground at this point. Like he, it's now dark outside. If it wasn't dark already, And he is having a lot of feelings. He's looking up into the sky and the brightness of the stars, you know, the bright brightness in the heavens, the wheels are flying, could be UFOs. I don't know. And then for me, it's, it's pretty blatantly Christian where the fire has gone out, but the light is never dying to me. To me, that's like, I might not be a religious person now because I'm a murderer and I'm a killer and I'm a murder Bob character, but the light inside of me, it's still there. Right. And he's begging for heavenly aid. And then I see the devil in the next part, ain't talking, just walking, carrying a dead man's shield. He, again, is making fun of our narrator because to me, the dead man's shield is Jesus. Like you're carrying around this light that's never going outside out in you is the shield is Jesus in my head. The shield is Jesus and the devil saying, (laughs) ha, 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 that is not going to help you. And then we get this weird line, uh, heart burning, still yearning, walking with a toothache in my heel which is the lyrics from BobDylan.com. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty clear that he says toothache in my head. I don't know. What's yeah. a toothache in my heel? What do we think that means? I don't know. 
I mean, you have to let the man have a little bit of poetic license on a lot of this shit, right? He just like, I don't know, sounded fun. Sounded fun. Why not? Fuck it. <laughs> I give him the license. I just don't give him the... Come on, man. I don't know what it means. But I assume, yeah. in my version, it's what it feels like to have the devil inside of you. So it's almost like... <laughs> you know, it's like a toothache. It's a toothache in your head. Um, and then we continue onward. Uh, for me, my narrator is fading. Uh, he's either... Like, the suffering is unending. It's either him saying that, or it's the devil reminding him again like the suffering of the world is unending it's everywhere i'm not fucking around anymore you need to get the fuck up this is it and then you know to me that's when the narrator essentially disappears because then we get walking ever since the other night walking till i'm clean out of sight like the narrator is gone at this point it is just damien that remains Mm. and then we get into the mystic garden you know what, is he, what do you call it? A reprise? The reprisal of the Mystic yeah, yeah. Garden. Um, I want to read this quote from the 2007 uh, Bob Dylan interview with Rolling Stone. Um, he talks about the Mystic Garden. Uh, Jan Werner, the uh, editor of Rolling Stone, asked, uh, or says, I guess, when you write songs where you say you walk into the mystical garden, there's a lot of religious imagery. Bob says, in the Mystic Garden. Uh, that kind of imagery... <laughs> That kind of imagery is just as natural to me as breathing because the world of folk songs have enveloped me for so long. My terminology all comes from folk music. It doesn't come from the radio or TV or computers or any stuff like that. It's embedded in the folk music of the English language. And then Werner says, much of it comes from the Bible. Bob said, yeah, a lot of it's biblical. Also that too. A lot of it's, yeah, a lot of it's biblical. A lot of it's just troubadour stuff. A lot of it's stuff Uncle Dave Macon would sing off the top of his head. But anyways, we're back in the mystic garden, and for me, it's just the devil. He's the only one left. Mm. The narrator is gone, and he bumps into this lady. What do we think about that? Excuse me, ma'am. I beg your pardon. There's no one here. The gardener is gone. It's pretty spooky. Yeah. Uh, I guess in the Damien analogy, it would be like... There's no one here but me, right? I know. There's no one left. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what that what I thought. Like, you're apologizing. Well, so I was thinking it's either, you know, uh, um, it's definitely a religious metaphor that I'll get into in one second. Um, but also, like, is the narrator the gardener? Is he saying the gardener is gone? Like, I'm the gardener. You don't know that. But, like, the gardener's gone. See you later. Or is the gardener the one who hit him in the back of the head? And this is just like a, flight, a fight about flowers. Maybe it's like a, <laughs> a huge misunderstanding. So he had to avenge his death. You know, he so he killed the gardener. Do we think he killed the gardener? Uh, Do you remember the gardener of the tallest man on earth song? I, we should have put that on the playlist. Damn. But that's a pretty that has a spooky ending too, where the gardener like I think dies or kills everybody there or something. So now we're dancing through the garden, and what a garden I have made. And now the death will grow my jasmine. That song was dark. So maybe The Gardener is an extension of this song. I, but it couldn't be because it came out before. Oh, no. I don't know. I guess for my idea of this, like, this is why it's hard to place when the narrator dies because it might be here, right? Yeah. Like, 
I'm dying and I like I just happen to land in this garden and it's like this person is like woozy and falling over. It's like, excuse me, ma'am. Uh, gar- gardener's uh, gone, dies. Like just says something, nice. something weird. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, like okay, and that's it. Have we? Do we think it could be maybe two different characters? Like, because it's the same thing. Maybe as I walked out of the Mystic Garden, that opens up this. Everything up to this point was our narrator, and now at the end, this is the person that killed them. Oh, maybe. So he's walking out at the end, and he's just, and the, uh, we are the gardener. The narrator's the gardener. Oh, yeah. The narrator has been killed. So he walks by and says the gardener is gone. Ooh, I like that. That could be kind of cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That totally works. Yeah, that's fine. Huh. Well, the religious portion of this, uh, Kelly, just so you know, uh, comes from John 2015. And this is a famous one that everybody knows. Jesus obviously was resurrected. His tomb is empty. Mary Mag- Magdalene is standing in front of the tomb, and Jesus appears and he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. So I think it's pretty explicit that it's about that that the, the imagery of, of the garden, which Bob Dylan will will revisit when we get in the garden, which is on Saved from 1980. Um, we'll talk about this again. But it also, I think, bolsters the evilness because, as we were saying, there's no one home. And at the end, we get up the road around the bend in the last outback at the world's end, which also speaks to revelations, which we always talk about with Bob. And it's usually pretty hokey, these these apocalyptic turns. But I think the song feels very dark and scary and almost apocalyptic the whole way through. And I think when he brings up like this is the end of the world right here, boom, I think it feels completely natural to me. And it makes me excited because if if our narrator is now the devil, then like, what don't we know about what's going to happen in the future, right? Like the devil was sh- obviously excited to have I walked out or like I, you know, the I character, which is you and me, the person listening to the song. We are now the devils. This is a classic satanic panic, Kelly. Nice. This is amazing. See, I thought it was just a, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean reference. Oh, at the world's end! Wow, that's all it was, right? Uh, that would have come out. That would have come out before. Well, two thousand six. Would know. it have been out yet? I don't know which one it is. Come is it on, the first one me. or the sixth one? Who knows? Anyways, is Ma'am Mary Magdalene? Is that the Queen of Love? Who knows? Nothing's answered. I think that's the best part about the song. Uh, obviously, this was just one rendition of it. I think we're both right because no one's right yeah. in a classic Bob Dylan fashion. So, does this song work today, Kelly? Either version or both versions or whatever. When did this album come out? You said 2007? 2006. August 29th, 2006. As far as I'm concerned, that is today. So therefore, it must work. That is today, right? <laughs> it must work. 15 years ago is basically today. Isn't it, though? We don't want to admit anything different. Yeah. I know. I know. I feel you. Uh, yeah. So I, I think it does. Uh, there's nothing that feels dated about it. Um, I would say maybe only if we're looking at does it work today through purely a pop music lens where like not to be these damn kids uh, where, you know, nobody has an attention span and no one appreciates real music anymore kind of bullshit. Uh, I don't think sure. this would fit in the pop landscape of 2021. Um, sure. I don't think so either. But oh, that's the only thing that I think doesn't work, only that it's like a semi-challenging song because it's so long, because it has a narrative that you need to kind of pay mm-hmm. attention to. But yeah, no, it yeah. totally for anybody who enjoys listening to music outside of and trust me i am not insulting anybody who listen to music however you want to passively 
actively listen to any genre of music you want. I am not making any criticism there. I am just saying this is a song that you would have to pay attention to. And I think that it works yeah. if you were someone who wants to pay attention to it. Yeah, there's definitely still people writing songs like this today. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like pop, pop music. No, I think Bob gets a pass only because he's been around for literally a million years. So he will automatically be pop music in a way. I mean, you could he'll just be talked about no matter what. But, yeah, there's tons of artists that could write this song that would just kind of go under the radar. Right. We wouldn't really we're not going to have a podcast about the guy that wrote this song or we're going to a podcast about a guy. He just happened to have wrote this song because he wrote a lot of great songs. But, yeah, I mean, this is definitely something that could be written today. The music itself sounds really nice, really fresh. It sounds great in your ears sounds great in a car like it feels good and you know it was fun to think about this as a damien type song but it really is nothing more than a walking song a park bench song an apocalypse song we've talked about this a million times i mean this is just flashes of images that is put to a poetic uh you know tenor with you know the, the structure of the song it's a lot of poetic images with a little bit of of loose structure scattered throughout and I think it means probably a lot to Bob. I mean, he played it a lot within the short time frame that he was doing it. And it's a really, it's a really cool song. And I think it's really evocative and, and I love it. Uh, I want to leave with, uh, leave us with the Rolling Stone interview, a little uh, snippet from that. Uh, Jan Werner says, you see things closing in, you see the darkness coming. Bob says, I could have come up with that line talking about the mystic garden 30 years ago. It's all the same from different angles. Bob or Jan says, uh, it's like the landscape of Desolation Row, only you've changed it, only you've changed from outrage to acceptance. Bob says, I think as we get older, we come to that feeling one way or the other. We've seen enough happening to know that things are a certain way, and even if they are changed, they're still going to be a certain way. And Jan says, therefore, we have to accept it. And Bob says, we've always accepted that. I don't think I've thought about things any differently in the whole time I've been around, really. Kelly, did you know that we are a real podcast? I do know. Sometimes it feels strange that that's true, but it is it is true still. And we still have. I mean, if you keep doing it year after year, so it must be real. It must be real. I am still publishing it, Kelly. I promise this isn't just something that we do and I just delete sight unseen. That would be that would be pretty, pretty fucking rude. Uh, no, we are out here in the world. We have Twitter. We have Instagram. We have Facebook. SOTW pod everywhere. We have a Patreon. You can give us a dollar. You can support the show. You can uh, rate us on iTunes. I forget to say that stuff, but you can rate us and say, I don't know that you've ever, I've never said that, but I just heard two podcasts in a row (laughs) earlier this morning say that. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm on a podcast. I have a podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was like, cool, we should say that. So I'm four years late, four and a half years late and getting to the, hey, radar podcast. But, you know, you could do that, too. That's cool if you want to. Oh, man. Uh, we also do an awesome playlist every week that you can see live. Uh, it's called See That My Playlist Is Kept Clean. And that'll just update as we're doing uh, wherever we are in time. Wherever you're listening to this is probably not where we are. So good good job. But you can uh, go to our website, srtwpod.com, for every episode. You can see the the unique playlist that we do for every episode. You can listen to them all. Um and we we definitely want you to, to follow those and 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 hang out with us as we talk about music that we love. So we had a great playlist this week, Kelly. We listened to it for about two weeks because uh, we have to recover from our St. Patrick's Day debauchery. Uh, what do you think about the playlist itself? Uh, I don't. Know. I, I gotta say, I don't know. Uh, mm. This is one. This is this one wasn't as as, as this good. Didn't do yeah, it for you. I don't know. I don't know what it was about it. It just. Uh, I, after the high of changing of the guards, it's that was excellent. Yeah. I, I would like still go back and listen to that playlist, which I feel like yeah. no shade on us. These are like little moments that just happen because of the song, and I don't really think about them after that. But that one, man, I was like, damn, I want to sure. listen to that playlist again. So there's this one was fine. We've had better. I'll say that. Yeah, I'm being that's... charitable. We've had better. Okay. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I guess I would say that too. You know, and every time, anytime we, you kind of fall back on the same artists, you know, I think there's something in the water, either just the way that we're, our minds are thinking or like whatever. I think that'll kind of not be great. So yeah, I'm going to start with welcome to the playlist for the first time. Uh, bad, bad, not good. Speaking gently, which was awesome. That was good. I, that was a I, highlight. I feel I like I've listened to them before, but then I couldn't really place it, but it's hard with like electronic type stuff sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Inside tracks, all that glitters ain't gold. Pretty good. Bill Withers ain't no sh- sunshine. Classic. I was shocked we hadn't done that before, honestly, because I was like, "How does that not on something?" Yeah, well, you're you're gonna be shocked at this too, probably. Slickerick and Outcast mm-hmm. for the first time, both of that them, including Outcast, which I was like, "Am I sure Kelly's gonna <laughs> fight me on this?" And I made sure I went through everything to try to find it. No, it's in no yeah. playlist. And finally, welcome to Helmet for the first time. Speechless. Um, yeah, but other than that, we it was a bunch of welcome back. So Rancid for the third time. I ain't worried about a goddamn thing. Love that song. Really? I was going to come in with fire. Man, I hate that song. That I was like, and I realized like I think I've only ever really listened to Outcome the Wolves. Like I because like is this how they sound? No, no, that no, that's just a very specific song. Okay, I think they were going for that sort of weird like reggae type vibe or whatever. Yeah, whatever's okay. going on in that song. Didn't love it. Maybe in the context of the album, it'd be okay. Well, yeah, all their albums have fucking 18 songs on it, so you got to change it up however best you can. But, no, I just love that. Uh, Tame Impala for the second time, Apocalypse Dreams. Uh, Dean Martin, Ain't That a Kick in the Head. Third time for Dean Martin. We love Fallout. <laughs> also, I can see Fallout in this uh, in hmm. uh, this song, right? I can see the Lone Wanderer walking out from the vault uh, in this, in Ain't Talking, yeah. for sure. Walking out of the garden, but it's just... You know, a vault, the green vault, you know, the the vault that's overrun yeah. with all the plants yeah. in it. That's the Mystic Garden. Bam, he's walking out of it. Uh, the Impressions, four times. I Ain't Supposed To. Excellent song. D'Angelo for the sixth time. Ain't right. that easy. Love D'Angelo. Uh, Marvin Gaye for the fifth time. Inner City Blues, Make Me Want to Holler. Uh, that I put on there, just vibe, pure vibe. The same with Hannah Hunt last okay. time. That's one I put on a long time ago just because it felt 
the same type of way. Maybe because like I I've never heard I've never actually listened to an album of Marvin Gaye's, um, but like obviously you, you've heard them and his voice is just like so incredible. I, I watched a video of him singing a cappella and it's just like that is so it doesn't feel like it's ever missing anything. Like, he's just like so powerful and great. But uh, I really love that this was this cool transition into what's going on kind of i don't know if that's what's next on the album or what but it like it feels like a strange demo warped version of what's going on almost very very cool yeah well and that's the album with i mean that's what's going on so and that album is actually rolling stone redid their best albums of all time and what was number one what's going on by marvin gay so mm-hmm. yeah you should definitely listen to at least what's going on uh Minutemen for the third time this ain't no picnic probably one of my favorite songs by them uh, I'm glad we could put it on here. Uh, the Strokes for the fourth time. The adults are talking. That was uh, that's off the new one. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. I enjoy it. Uh, Jimi Hendrix for the fifth time. Ain't no telling. Thrice for the fifth time. Talking through glass. We move like swing sets. And of course, Alicia Keys for the fifth time. If I ain't got you, <laughs> so good. So yeah, good. we were we were talking uh, before the pod yep. that I didn't realize this was her song i thought for some like i'm sorry i'm not giving alicia keys enough credit it's not that i don't think she like she could write a song like this but it just the song seems timeless to me i could see like the big vocalists of the 50s and 60s singing this song like Marvin uh, Gaye. Marvin Gaye, like in aretha totally Franklin, like like anybody totally singing this the song so i was like yeah. whoa holy shit she wrote this song uh-huh. damn amazing you almost want to you, you would love to hear them sing it it's so good it's like mm-hmm. oh shit aretha could have fucking i mean not that she doesn't do a great job but imagine like yeah. aretha in her prime what a great song to sing um yeah no the playlist was pretty good a lot of a lot of like heavy hitting uh bands that we love so it's hard not to like like those songs but you know it's always nice to have a fun like mostly new stuff so we'll try that next week uh, or next episode kelly we're also people in the war yeah we'll see (laughs) kelly we're also people in the world uh it's been about two weeks since we last saw one another not for changing of the guards kelly but for it's all over now baby blue so kelly what have you been doing in the last, you know, two weeks since the last time we we talked? Not changing of the guards, but it's all over now, baby blue. Right? Yeah, sure. I immediately have to give up the ghost because I don't know where we are in time with our recommendations. And I've been doing my series on the first apparently fifteen albums that like I remember forming and shaping my life. So we're on the second part of the the eight albums after the first seven albums. Yeah. You See, took a break from last, that for on it's all over. Now. The last time you did that was changing of the guard. So we're good. We're good. Perfect. So go back perfect. to that one to okay. see. <laughs> Great. So we left off with it's dark and hell is hot uh, with DMX. And I, I was talking about how like, Oh my God, I didn't put flesh on my flesh on here. I totally did. Mm. And I'm just an idiot. Anyway. So the next thing is Michelle branch, the spirit room. Okay. Ooh. So I had a little journey with this cause I went to her page cause I couldn't remember which album it was. I just knew kind of roughly the time would have been around 2000, 2001. Right. Um, I just moved to Longmont from Florida. I'm about 12 years old. 12, 13, 14 is the the zone. Again, this is like, <laughs> I bought these albums. I sought them out. But it's before, like, I wanted to make a clear cutoff of before I just started, you know, like, and then you buy music for the rest of your life or you get music sure. for the rest of it. So it's not, there's no longer this momentum or this thing behind it. Right. Just, but these next ones, I was like, this was, there, there was definitely a cutoff between when I started listening to, like, I kind of established what I liked Versus like this, I'm still kind of testing the waters right. and getting most of my recommendations from Buffy the Vampire Slayer one way or another. This one being no exception. So uh, I thought her first album or the album that I had was called Broken Bracelet. It is not. Uh-huh. I listened to that album three times because I had it on this playlist that I made. And I was like, this is really terrible. Uh, this is really bad. I hate it. Um, except for one song on that album, actually. I'm going to recommend. No, not ironically. I think it's called. Hang on paper pieces and it sounds like a 
like a Riot Girl esque twee band Whoa. from the nineties, and it's awesome. And out of nowhere, and it's the only good one on there. And it turns out this this album was more like a demo for what uh, would become the Spirit Room, which is the one I totally had, which had the big single "Everywhere." Yes, you're everywhere, everywhere to me. me. Yeah. So that's the, yep. that's this album. Okay. That's, that's Michelle Branch. Uh, she had a song on Buffy called "Goodbye to You." The version that's on Buffy is far and away better than the album on the version on this album and the acoustic version of the song. They are not good. That live version, though, on Buffy Live, quote unquote, is. The best version okay. ever. And probably the best song she's ever done. Uh, the Drop in the Ocean is the last song, and it's okay. It's very weird. I do like that. But yeah, she wrote most of the songs, which I was like, does she even write these, or is she just a pop singer? But yeah, no, she plays the guitar, and she she did write most of them, not all of them. Sweet. Um, and she was doing it since she was a little kid. She started doing open mics, and her parents encouraged her. And like, I'm always going to be praising a singer-songwriter. It's not for me. It's pop. It's like vapid pop. It's like listening to NSYNC, but better because she's like playing a real instrument, and she's sure, writing the songs. Sure, sure. And, but it still has that kind of narrow vision of like, yeah. I like a boy and now I'm sad and <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> no, but, but when you're, you're 12, 13, 14 and you're like, I'm not like other girls. And the reason I'm not like other girls is because you're a giant lesbian. You're like, ooh, girl with guitar. Ooh, I like girl with guitar. Why do I like girl with guitar? I don't know. I got to do it. Okay. So <laughs> next thing was Moby play, which oh, wow. turns out I was like, I've tried to listen to Moby multiple times and I'm just not into it. But I remember... I mean, probably just because I had the CD, but I really did enjoy the CD at the time. Um, and then I went on Rate Your Music, and this was the best thing, according yeah. to the internet at large, that he's ever done. Right. I concur, because everything else sucks. And this album is really hit or miss. There are a couple of great uh, standout tracks. I mean, obviously the pop stuff, like Body Rock and stuff like that, that that made it to the, the air in Southside with Glenn Stefani. Right. Those are good, but like, there's some really quiet touching stuff on here and there's like one that has a guitar and flute it's called guitar flute and string i guess that's bizarre it's like a weird acoustic guitar song that comes out of nowhere but there is a song on this album there's have you have you seen the, the film grandma's boy yes of course i've seen grandma's boy okay so you know the bad guy the nerdy I weird do. guy who thinks he's in the matrix who wants robot legs right there's a scene where they come in like into the, his office and he's coding he's like basically laying on his back and there's a song that's playing during it it's an apex twin song it's called window liquor but it's only the first or the last 20 seconds of the song on a loop and that 20 seconds of that song the rest of it sucks or it's fine but it's like not for me it's just incredible. And there's a song on this play album. It's called Inside. Okay. And it's basically like I I took that Apex Twin song. And I was like, I'm going to make a continuous mix of just this 20 seconds because it's the best part. And I just want to hear that forever. Like that Phoebe Bridger song, DVD menu, right? I was oh, like, yeah. I wish this song went on forever. And somebody online on YouTube made a fucking like 18 hour mix of it or something like that. I was like, thank God. And I just I'll, I'll totally throw that on every once in a while. I'm like, this is perfect. So please don't ever stop. Um but yeah, so this song inside is kind of that's the way that that little bit of window liquor, even though it's not the same, feels like, like he stretched it out. So it is really repetitive, but it's my favorite song on that album okay. uh, inside. So the rest of play is really hit or miss and it's way too fucking long. It's like 18 songs on it. So oh, wow. Take it. Wait, we will. OK. Melanie Doan, Adam Rib, Adam's right. Rib, also inspired by Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because I can't take my eyes off you, which we've had on a playlist is yeah. on this album. Right. At the time, I didn't super love it because it's got a country twang. She's very Alison Krause, like mm -hmm. Alison Krause in Union Station or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, like kind of a little bit like Dixie Chicks, but it's just her. And she does play the guitar and write her own songs. Um, and she's actually like a really celebrated artist. She's open for she has like a Sarah McLaughlin lyrically sure. and, and a little bit tonally vibe to her, but um, more country, uh, more guitar driven. Yeah. Um, 
And I did not super like it at the time when I was a kid because it had that edge to it. But I listening to it again, I really enjoyed it because I feel like I'm a little bit more open minded musically. I mean, I definitely. Yeah, <laughs> than well, I that's for sure. <laughs> uh, and and it's it's really good. The song Adam's Rib, uh, yep. which is the title track of the album, is is really fun. Um, and yeah, I just liked it. I, I was glad I kind of re-listened to it. She's also she's a multi-instrumentalist, too. She doesn't just play the guitar. She plays the fiddle on a lot of the tracks. Nice. Um, she's got a really good ear for composition. She makes really good, well-fleshed-out songs. It was interesting to hear the contrast between Michelle Branch and her being... Michelle Branch is a lot younger, and she's not a multi-instrumentalist, and there's a lot of differences there, but to hear what somebody who understands compositions and understanding make a good a good song, writing a really good song... Um, it, there's just a huge difference there. So Melanie totally, Doan, totally. Adam's Rib, I'd recommend. And then Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood on the DMX podcast. Let's go. Uh, yeah. I, it, it totally was on there. I just had separated them out because I was like, I don't need to listen to the double album back to back kind of thing. Right. And I forgot my favorite DMX song is on this album, uh, Slippin'. And it's like especially prescient now that he's dead because the whole song is about him struggling. Yeah with addiction trying to do the right thing and just failing constantly and it's like and musically it's really re- it's just got this nice string it's, synth yeah. sweet thing it's the slower whole thing. too it's so yeah. good yeah so so good so i would definitely recommend that although <laughs> i don't know if you've noticed this so this is the uncensored version of the album as almost all albums on yes, Spotify yes, yes. should be unless yes. they're spe- but for some reason this track is edited yep. and i remember going nuts about this when i was a kid and i'm not any less angry <laughs> As an adult. It doesn't make um, any sense. So, it must be that way on purpose. Like it must I think be... it's because they only had the single mix, right? And that's I the mean... one that they released. Because, so it's going to be the edited one. So they, for some reason, just had the single mix. So they put wow. it on there. DMX apparently re-recorded a lot of his songs in 2011 with an album called Greatest Hits with a Twist. Oh. So I w- Slippin' is on there, and I listened to it, and it is a, he absolutely re-recorded it. The mix is about the same. Musically, it's about the same. But you can tell he's older. Yeah. It, he sounds like he's been doing drugs. Okay. For the the, the ten yeah. years that the the song recorded, and that makes it even more heartbreaking. It's a worse version, I will say, because he doesn't have the energy right. behind it. But thank God, at least he can say fuck without it getting bleeped. So like, there's that, I guess. But yeah, it's it's cool to listen to them both, just because it like you know because he did just die, and it it's like feels so yeah prescient. But yeah. Um. Anyway, and then lastly. Uh, not last for the list, but lastly that I listened to, yeah, Amato, Viva La Woman, yes. again inspired by Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oof. This album is fucking great. It's still great. <laughs> uh, it's really eclectic. Some of the songs are like barely songs. Uh, they, like they have a very artistic like they kind of go different places, but the bangers are great. Like the first four tracks of the album are fucking amazing, and it's just like it's still so good and so fun. And I can't recommend it highly enough. If you've never listened to Viva La Woman by Chibamato, go do it. Okay. That my awesome. twenty minutes are gone. Thank you. Well, I love this this new this new series we're doing where you'll just. <laughs> I think you should just keep doing it. Get like three or four records and just listen to them. And what does Kelly think about this album? <laughs> that's good. I think that's a great. I think you should keep doing it. It's fun. it's definitely fun to do. Uh, I listened to a couple of new albums in the last week or two. Uh, if you're looking for sort of that singer songwriter countryish vibe, but uh, more singers, yeah, indie indie folk 
vibe. Uh, Cassandra Jenkins has an album called An Overview on Phenomenal Nature. Pretty short. It's only like 28 minutes long. Really, really good. And then we get into, I've been listening to a lot of, just because I've been doing stuff, I like listening to either 30s jazz, jazz, or... um screamo like any you know if i can't hear the lyrics i'm good um so there's a band called dreamwell uh they have a new album called modern grotesque i've never heard of them before but it it came recommended and it's fucking great and it's kind of um you know i would say screamo and then you know godspeed you black emperor yeah they just came out with a new album called god's p at state's end just came out last week pretty good um i i enjoy the post-rock ethereal vibes you know they have like weird droning and field recordings and stuff like that um that make it a weird listen you know whenever you're doing it um so it's not anything new for them but i still like it because i enjoy them and there's a band called spirit of the beehive uh the the album is called entertainment death that also is blowing up and it's kind of like that too kind of post-rock weird strange but like these long interludes of music um so if you're looking for something just to kind of like listen to in the background while also being interested a lot as you listen, those are pretty good for me. Um, I ended up, because I'm in Manassas with my family, we watched a lot of movies. Um, I watched the George Clooney Midnight Sky movie. Hmm. Hard pass. Don't do it. Don't bother. Not, it's, not familiar. What is that even about? Uh, it's basically George Clooney watched in our cellar and was like, <laughs> I can do that too. It's the same movie. Uh, I watched the Netflix movie I Care A Lot with Rosamund Pike. And that was really good. Peter Dinklage is in it as well. She's a very unlikable character. Everyone in that movie is, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and you kind of root for her downfall, but then you kind of love her. So it's it's a it's a fun one. Is it like a kind of like a dark comedy, or is it pretty serious all the way through? No, it is uh, definitely a dark comedy. Okay. All right. Well, there are moments where you you kind of feel the darkness coming in a little too hard, but she is really good at breaking that mold and it does weirdly become like an action movie as well so it's like four different movies in one so it never gets boring i i watched this literally the night after midnight sky and it was just like such a relief to have like a real competent movie you know i don't know if i like really like it that much i'm sure i'll forget about it in a couple years but like god compared to midnight sky it's like what that's what a real movie is i mean i really enjoyed it um there's a movie from 1978 called the legacy which uh has sam elliott in it early Sam Elliott, like one of his first movies. Um, and he's in it with Catherine Ross, who apparently he's still married to. Oh. They met on this. the, And it was directed by Richard Marquand, who re- did Return of the Jedi. Oh, shit. So this is what he did before Return of the fucking Jedi. And it is a weird movie. And it's like a murder mystery. It's like Clue before Clue. Hmm. It's uh, like every horror trope, trope that we know so well was done here. I don't know if it was first, but... It was weird to watch it, and I think your brain does stuff, too, where you're like, you know it's from the 70s, you know it's old. So in your head, you you instantly forgive it for all of its sins because you're like, oh, it probably invented this. It probably invented the stupid you know, sort of tropes that you see in a lot of movies today. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just had a really fun time watching it. It's a it horror was, movie? Sam Elliott is – it's a I, horror by 1978 standard, and I wouldn't say horror. There is some body gore stuff that happens – but it turns into like a weird satanic movie, like huh. where she becomes Satan at the end. It's really weird. I recommend it if you can get your hands on it. I mean, I downloaded it, so it's definitely you can torrent it. But I think you would actually not unlike it, Kelly. I think you would actually like it. So The Legacy, okay. 1978. 
Uh, my dad never watches any movies, but he does enjoy the Bourne movies, the Jason Bourne nice. movies. So uh, he was like, uh, it was about to come on TV on AMC, and he was like, you should download the Bourne Ultimatum so we can watch it without commercials. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Okay, I'll do that. So we did that, and we got Grandma in, and Grandma's never watched the Bourne movie in her life. And we're like, Grandma, there's a secret, uh, you know, Treadstone and Blackbriar. These are secret government programs. Jason Bourne is, a, you know, we're basically trying to explain to her the plot of two movies as to why she should care about Bourne Ultimatum. And I will say, I think that the movie still holds up. It's a damn good movie. It's a damn good ride. And finally, the last movie I watched is a movie called Hereditary, which oh, is shit, you Midsommar. It? I watched it. And Rebecca was like, you should, I kept being like, I don't know if I want to watch it. And Rebecca was like, I don't think you can keep going. She loves horror movies. And she's like, this movie is so good mm-hmm. that you're really being stupid not doing it. And Tony Collette's in it. Yeah. And I kind of knew a little bit about it just based on like the Midsommar being so big. And it is so fucking good. I, I fucking loved it. So if you you love Midsommar, I would say you should watch this. Isn't it like really it. really scary? I've actually just been a big wuss about it. It's it it's not actually as scary as I thought okay. it was going to be. And there are some moments that are like they're not so much scary as it's. I did like a couple little dances where I got up and would like jump around. There a lot of it was just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, what am I watching? It's 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 really psychological. But I I kind of want you to watch it because you've seen mids like like me. You watch Midsomar, but you have not watched this. It would be very strange without Midsomar existing for people to watch Hereditary. I think it makes a lot of sense based on what you see in Midsomar, what happens in Hereditary. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm like almost convinced that all these movies are interconnected or something's going on with it. So if you ever watch it, we definitely need to talk about it because it's just really cool. And the ending, I'm sure, is like a smack in the face for a lot of people. But I think it ties in weirdly to Midsomar where you're like, this isn't so weird. And you're, I, I got good feelings. I was like, oh, that's good. My grandma hated it. <laughs> I think it was a little too science fiction-y for her. My Roberto Bolaño reading is still going on. I finished Nazi literature in the Americas. Ken Burns did a three-part documentary on Hemingway. Uh, me and Grandma crushed that as well over three nights, and it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, three is about the right number of episodes. If it was one more, it would have been very boring because we were really getting the end. We really stretched that three episodes. Uh, and then the very last thing I want to recommend is a book that I just finished by one of my favorite writers today. His name is Hanif Abdul-Rakib, and he wrote a book called The Little Devil in America, Notes on Black Performance. And I first heard about this guy because he was writing about um, – he was writing music essays a couple of years ago. I read his book, and this book is getting huge praise, and it's probably going to be nominated for like all the awards. But he basically re- writes his essays about you know being black in America and just sort of tying it into – American history. He's got essays about not only his life, but also blackface and minstrel shows. I was just writing this as I was doing this, but uh, Aretha Franklin, Dave Chappelle, Sun Ra, Afrofuturism, Josephine Baker, Soul Train. Uh, He has a long essay about Mary Clayton, who sings with um, Mick Jagger on Gimme Shelter. She's the one singing the rape, the murder. Oh, yeah. And she was nine months pregnant when she did it, and she never really got the love. And, and the essay is called um, "I Want to Give Every Flower to Mary Clayton" or something like that. And he just like he's like, we don't talk enough about backup singers. Backup singers are like the thing. They're so great and they're so unsung. And it's a beautiful essay just about backup singers. He's like, I just I want everybody to be able to listen to her albums and not think about you know Mick Jagger and all the the stupid men that she had to sing behind after all these years. Like, 
give her the stage. She's great. So anyways, that's that was great. He talked about the Beyonce um, performance at the Super Bowl, uh, James Brown and Joe Tex, the Wu-Tang Clan. Do you remember the Triumph music video where everybody turned into bees? No. Okay. You should watch that. So the song is Triumph. I don't know exactly what album it was on, but he has this long essay about the Wu-Tang Clan. Basically, there's a moment in there where Ghostface Killer um, kisses. I forget who it was. He like kisses him on the forehead. And he said when he was a kid watching that video, he was like, I had no idea that you could love someone like that. He had no idea that like friends can love one another and what that was right there. He has the long essay is about um, just how the Wu-Tang Clan are like a family, right? They don't, they don't actually get along that well. And method man was obviously like trying to become more famous than the rest of them. But he was just talking about what it is to, to love one another uh, in this world where everything's really dark sometimes. And this triumph music video, everybody just turns into bees inexplicably. It's kind of hilarious to watch today. It's really bad, but the essay is just kind of like, don't it be like that sometimes? Don't we all just turn into bees sometimes? And he just does it so beautifully where he's like, you know, I kissed a girl and I turned into bees and I got yelled at by my mom and I became, I, I, I went into my hive or whatever. It's like he just wrapped it all into like, don't we all feel like this sometimes? It was really beautiful. And then the final one, he was at a um, a show by a band called Fuck, Fuck You Pay Us, black women in a punk band. Um, he went to their show and he thought a lot about, because he listens to a lot of pop and punk music and he was like reflecting on his him being a black man in majority white punk rock shows and he he, it was great because he just kind of talked about the tokenism of of we have black people there but are they really there and just the dichotomy of of punk being this great outlet for like yelling and screaming but what do you see when you see a bunch of black people screaming all you see is anger and it's not really anger it's release like it's just really masterful and i love this book and i recommend everybody go out and buy it immediately fantastic i mean it sounds excellent and that song yes uh give me shelter um i've I've done that song at karaoke i fucking love that song and it's because of that moment yeah yeah, because it's like I first heard it on Rock Band, one of the Rock Bands, and I was like, what is going on here? Because she's like, ah! like, you can't even like, it's so high. And I uh, just like, that's incredible. And that's this the star of the song. And it's really cool that, you know, obviously I'm not the only one that's ever thought that. But like, thank God somebody's shedding some light on it. And I just tried to look up that band, Fuck You Pay Us, because that sounds great. And it's not on Spotify. But I guess they really wouldn't but get maybe... paid on Spotify, so. Yeah, but maybe they have a band camp or something. I can. Yeah, something. Album. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't look they it up, do. but I was basically while I was doing this, just writing down. You gotta do this, do that, listen to this, listen to that. So, it's it's really fucking great. So I highly recommend it, and you should definitely watch that Triumph music video because it is very very funny. At this point, it was from easily the ni- you know ninety six, ninety seven, something like that. So. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think because like. 36, 36 Chambers was the first one, obviously, and I don't know that they had the Killer Bees thing going on then. I think that might have been the next album. But yeah, no, definitely. Wu-Tang, Killer Bees, definitely a thing. So, of course, they turned into bees. Why would they not turn into bees? And sometimes it just be like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Jesus, my orchestra, graceful, music ballerinas, my music Sicily, rich California smell, an axe kill adventure, paint a picture well, I sing a song from Sing Sing, sipping on Jing Sing, righteous wax, chaperone, rotating ring Alright Kelly, this is the end of the show. As we've been doing this year, we've been picking random oh God, words we had to do and this. finding Jesus. out next week's song. Oh, it never ends. We had Kendra do it last time. We had Kendra last time do it. She's not here, as far as I know, to do it. She is broke down in Steamboat Springs. Oh, shit, really? So we could call her, I guess. And yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't have an Instagram. Yes, Kelly. Yeah, her car Damn. broke down in Steamboat Springs, which I guess you should know about. Yeah. Not really. Uh, what if, what if, like, out of nowhere, she just, like, came up from, like, Actually, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> the Instagrams were old and fake. Mm-hmm. It's not me. It's just my persona. Oh, geez. Which I can't say on the air because. Oh, yeah. To break the illusion. Yeah. No one knows. Break the, the illusion. Secret identity. The guild. The guild. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. That's right. Yep. Uh, the guild. I thought you were talking Never. about Kay Nasty, who could not be. Oh, no, no. Everybody yeah. knows Kay Nasty, but they don't know the rest. Okay. That's, That's right. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, if you got your words ready, we'll pop the words in and we'll we'll get this done. I do. They're good. Okay. Okay. All right. What's what's the first word? First one is scream. Scream. Okay. Ooh, 12 screams. Oh, oh my God. This is a DMX podcast on the brain. Yes. On flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. There's a song called The Omen, which is basically the follow-up to the song Damien. And okay. guess who's on that song? I couldn't guess. It's 1998. He's riding the high of... Usher. No. No, no. Rock. Metal. Like, oh. he's riding the high of being the most vilified man in rock. Oh, oh, I know this. is Marilyn Manson. Can you believe? And yeah. I listened to that album so many times. And even when I was into, like, Manson and all that kind of stuff, I... I never knew he was on it. And it's so bad. It is so bad. Like, it is not, it is, it makes the song Damien worse almost because of this being the follow-up. Because it's just Manson on all the drugs going, the snake, the rat, the cat, and the dog. And it's so (laughs) bad. It's so bad. Anyway. (laughs) Sorry. Well, I hope. What, I hope that Manson isn't on the follow-up to Ain't Talking, because if oh, Ain't Jesus. Talking is is Dylan's Damien, then I don't know what the omen's so going to be, and I'm kind of nervous. So anyway. Let's hope not. So anyways, Scream, 12, so we'll we'll come back to uh, that. Grind. Grind, okay. Rise and grind. Ooh, two grinds. Okay. Nice. Nice looking good. Uh, curriculum. Oh, God. Uh, shocker of shocks, not in there. <laughs> Lend to lend, lend someone a hand. I'm sure that's in a bunch. Only six songs, okay. Huh. And outlet. Outlet. Ooh, nice. Okay. Nothing for outlet. Okay, so let's start with lend. And I'm just I'm gonna read. I'm gonna give you three options. I'm just gonna cover up the song titles, and I'm just gonna pick at random one here. Okay. So this is lend. They don't lend a hand. Yeah, all right. That's too easy. Okay, and then we're going to do scream. So I'm just going to pick at random. Scream. And he screams back, you're a cow. What is with Bob Dylan and cows? Holy shit. And I'll do both grinds because there's only two of them. So grind, grind here, is carry on the grind. And 
got their noses to the grindstones. I like carry on the grind. Carry on the grind. Okay. That's what we all need to do, man. Sometimes you just got to carry on the grind. Sometimes you got to, sometimes it'd be like that. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah, so we're actually going to be returning to a song that we've sort of heard in a movie that we saw. And this is the title of the movie. And it, the song is called I'm not there from oh, 1967 yeah. from the basement tapes. So this was a, a long sought classic Dylan song that's only come to light over the last 20 years or so. Um, so it's in the movie. I'm not there. It takes the name. Obviously the movie is I'm not there. So we're going to listen to the song. Now the song's lyrics are pretty random. So we're going to have to sort of parse through some of that. I don't actually think there's an official lyric. I think that it's, I don't think it's like actually part of Bob Dylan's repertoire, but it's definitely a big song. So we're going to do it though. I'm not there. So we're going back to the basement tapes, 1967. The quality is going to be a little bit less, but we're going to do our best here and we're going to talk about it. Kelly, this has been fun. Yeah. What a ride. So yeah, we'll, we'll be back next time. We'll probably take two weeks for this one too, because it is a, another kind of uh, a meaty song. I expect you to learn a little bit of it. It's probably going to be pretty easy to play and oh. we'll see you later. We can't wait to hear about the rest of the journey musically that we're, we're going on. Yeah. Don't forget DMX podcast <laughs> forever. Wow. And with that, <laughs> we'll say good night. Goodbye. Bye. From the werewolf, ah. howling at the moon on the roof. Oh. Ah. No, get him. Uh. Ten uh. niggas on him. Uh. Oh, God's with him. Ooh. Give me the bat, let me split him. I have him with a pillow in the casket, won't fit him. Only reason I did him, he wouldn't fight back. Let the strike back, never like that. Uh. Laying up with uh. the white hat. We can fight back, that's up when I snatch him. Up, up.